So uh, again, I, I don't know uh, all of you, so maybe some of you got different Christmas traditions than others. And so uh, like Andy, for example, they open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, which is just foolish, right? Uh, and makes no sense whatsoever because Santa's not even here yet, right? So uh, ruins that narrative a little bit, okay? Um, and which then tonight, when he comes, uh, we, what we would do at our house growing up is at midnight, uh, we would hear his bells ringing outside our door. And so we would open up presents at midnight, right, as he was kind of departing our house, which uh, that's a tradition I've left behind, right? Like, like, that sounds awful, and I don't get why my parents did that. Um, but one of the traditions that we did uh, kind of take on is on Christmas Eve Eve, so, so last night, um, what we do is, as a family, we, we sleep out in the living room together, and we bring out some blankets and mattresses, and we're laying on couches and stuff, and, and we watch Christmas Story, greatest Christmas movie ever. Uh, we listen to some Christmas music, and then hopefully, although this didn't happen last night because Finley fell asleep, uh, we open up the Jesus Story Bible, and, and I'll read to them the, the birth account, and we'll kind of go through that. And so I want to carry that tradition on to us this morning. Now, um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's really good, right? Like, so if you're just trying, like, if you're 50 and been a Christian your whole life and are trying to figure out, like, the grand narrative of Scripture, this thing does a phenomenal job. Now, if you're a parent and you're looking to disciple your kids well, like, pour into them, invest in them, and you don't have one of these, we give them out to all parents who want to invest in their kids. And so if you don't have one and you want one, um, just come to the Connect Desk on your way out, and we'll, we'll give you one of these that you can, you can follow along. So um, open up, never mind, you don't have this. And so... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to open up to, to the birth story, um, and I want to read from, from this, and, and I just love kind of the, I mean, just like, it, it's just so basic and yet so beautiful at the same time, and so let's read of the birth story, kind of starting in Luke 1, but from the Jesus Storybook Bible this morning. It says, everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was, uh, was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning, but how would he come what would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared and right there in her bedroom, he was Gabriel and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, and he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy, and you will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the redeemer, the God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around, the God who made the universe with just a word, the one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world, but it's too wonderful Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? If anything too wonder, is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see. And she believed and said, I am God's servant. 
whatever God says, I will do. Now, again, many of us, many of us have heard this. Now, we've been uh, kind of in this series called uh, What Child Is This? Uh, and we're kind of just studying Jesus, like the sonship of Christ. And so four weeks ago, we started with Jesus, the Son of God, which really just literally is translated to He is God, like God in the flesh, God come down, God entering our world, right? That was week one. Week two, we did uh, the Son of Man. God is, or Jesus is also the Son of Man. In other words, He was also fully human, fully God and fully man. Like He, he took on flesh, fully human. He wore that, lived the life that we all are kind of living, but He did it perfectly. Uh, last week, we looked at Jesus as the son of David, that he fulfilled prophecy after prophecy and kind of this descending reality of God over prophetic word, bringing himself down into our world, humbling himself as a child. And then today, we wrap up the series here in Advent with Jesus as the son of Mary, which is very apt because he's actually born. See, I think oftentimes we, we kind of think in these very large, broad, kind of 35,000 foot majestic terms and sometimes miss it, man. Like he was literally born to a woman, right? Like this, this little baby had to transfer through and grow inside of another woman, right? Of, of a woman in, inside the womb and had to kind of emerge nine months later. Like this is Jesus, this like God in the flesh was birthed through the same natural means that every single one of us has arrived. This is a phenomenal story. Now, all of these things have kind of built up to what we look at today, which is, so what, right? Like, like if all of these things are true, if Jesus truly is all of these things, then what in the world does that mean for us? Like, if, if Jesus truly is God, like the one who made everything, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who thought up and made you and I, if he's really that, right? If secondly, if he truly then took on flesh, humbled himself to come into this world and lived a perfect life, you and I could only dream of living, if that's true. And if last week, if he truly is the fulfillment of every prophecy the Old Testament and, uh, and the world of antiquity could give to be the fulfillment of everything necessary to restore a broken world, if he is all of these things, what does it mean for us? And I think what we get in Mary's story is an opportunity to learn, like an opportunity to look at, look at Mary, look at her response to God coming in, sending an angel and saying, hey, this is about to go down, right? And then her saying, okay, what, what is her response and what does that mean then for us? And so then we will look at this reality here in Luke 1, 46 through 55. Now, this is called uh, kind of Mary's Magnificent. So in other words, after she's had this interaction with the angel, uh, she leaves and departs and, go and goes to visit her sister Elizabeth, and they have this dialogue. Now, Elizabeth is now pregnant with John the Baptist. That's what we'll, we'll learn as the story continues. And then you know, Mary is, is pregnant with, with Jesus. And so this is like the ultimate birth announcement, ultimate pregnancy announcement. You see on Facebook all the time, like, oh, we're having twins. And Mary's like, I'm having God. Like, oh, cool, good for you, I'm birthing the Savior of the world, okay? And, and, and so it's just, this is her exclaiming now, and, and, I, and I love this reality of how she responds to the reality of how God is going to use her to redeem the world and bring the Savior here. And I think we are to mirror ourselves after that as well. And the last thing I'll say before we get into the text is during this season, it's easy to get distracted, and that's, that's what we've talked about often throughout it. 
is that we want to gaze upon Jesus. We want to learn about Jesus. We want to grow and be more like Jesus. But sometimes our heads get turned, our eyes get turned, and we miss him. And, and there was this moment uh, about two weeks ago where I was with my two boys. And I, I get a couple days where I get to just kind of watch the two of them together. And, and Finley's three and a half, and James is about six months. Uh, and so that means that um, Finley jumps on him a lot, right? Like that's kind of what that means. And wrestles him because he doesn't realize or James can't do anything. And so um, there's this one moment where Finley's jumping up and down, and I think like accidentally jumped on some body part of James. And so James starts wailing and crying, and he's all sad. And I'm like, Finley, like, what are you doing, man? Like, he's hurting, he's hurting. Like, you can't do that. You got to learn, you know? And he's kind of just wandering around. He's playing with his toys. He's not really paying attention, and so he doesn't really care. And so I have James in my lap, and he's crying. I say, Finley, come here. You know, and of course, he listened right away because I'm just that good. And so uh, he runs, and he, and he jumps into my lap, right? And I'm saying, I'm like trying to talk to Finley, um, and here's what he's missing. He's missing James in this. So he's trying to understand the context of the world and, and everything I'm giving him without the context of looking at his brother. And so I'm like, Finley, here's what I want from you. One thing, I want you to look at your brother. I want you to look at James. I want you to stare at James. And James is still crying. And so eventually, I kind of get Finley's head to just stare at his brother, who's in pain and crying. And, and no joke, I see kind of this light bulb moment click in my son's kind of just world where he sees his brother hurting and in pain and connects the dots and says, Jamesy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. Like says that to, to his brother and to me. Like there's this thing, there's this reality that as you kind of finally have to actually look and gaze upon someone else that I think stuff changes and then your action changes as well. Now, during this season and during this life and in this world, man, there are so many different things to look at. And this whole series has been about us looking at Jesus as much as we can. The, the person we know, someone that we study, if you've been in church your whole life, I get it, right? But what does it mean for us to constantly look and intentionally stare at Jesus? Because I think when we do that, I think that makes something happen in here that then translates in the way we act. And so this is our kind of final kind of brush and, and, and desire to push into that for this season. And so uh, let's look at uh, Luke 1, 46 through 55, and we'll kind of break it down verse by verse and try and get you guys out of here kind of quick. And early now we got kids in here. You guys are doing awesome, uh, but get you home so you can have time with your, with your family. So this, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So her response, right, after learning all this stuff that God's doing, her response is twofold. One, I will magnify the Lord, and two, I will rejoice in him, right? So magnification and rejoicing. Like, this is the normative response, I think, for those who gaze upon the reality of God's work in their life. And so, again, what does that then mean for us? Is this a reality for us? Is, do people look at you and you become then the magnifying lens for which when someone holds you up, they see Jesus more clearly, right? Is, is, is that happening? And then just internally, are we rejoicing in our Savior? So this morning, when we get to sing songs, and listen, I know most of y'all know the lyrics because it's Christmas music, right? So like when we're singing, is there delight? Is there rejoicing in the fact that our Savior has come? And so these are just tests for us to say, man, is this a reality for us? And so let's delve a little bit deeper. We'll see how, uh, how Mary is magnifying the Lord and why that leads her response to rejoicing, okay? And so let's, let's look at the next one. Um, and I think there's, there's six of these, so six things. So the first thing that we see uh, uh, Mary magnifying is that, he, is that God looks and sees us. So verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me 
blessed. That, that God, think about this, like the God who made the world, who reigns on a throne, sees you. Like, like he sees deeper, he knows you better than you know yourself. And, and for me to like honestly think through that in a world where honestly, if we're, if we're real, right, that this whole world seems to be based on being seen and known, right? Like, like do I have the status do I have enough likes? Do people like me? Am I seen and am I known? Am I liked in the midst of all that? Now, here's the reality that most of us, we achieve this reality of people liking us sometimes in spite of ourselves, right? So we, we present the best form of ourselves. We don't often share all the junk that's in here, the pain, the sin. We're not just fully coming out with it. And that's how we get people. That's how we're trained to get people to like us. But here's what God does. No, she's saying, listen, you look and you see me. You know everything about me and you still chose me. Man, that's magnificent news for us this morning. Because whatever we got going on, God looks at you and he sees you and he still came. Phenomenal news. That's the first one. The second one I think Mary magnifies is that she is blessed and he blesses us greatly for his glory. Okay? Right? That, that holy. So verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. That the holy, set apart, perfect God of the universe saw so fit as to bless you greatly, as to give unto you things you did not deserve. Now, now I alluded to it before, and I have, I have friends, close friends and family that this season doesn't elicit that response, right? That, that there's been things that have happened during this season that maybe just get to the end of the year and you look back, and so this season kind of becomes more a lament and a, and a reality of, man, this year wasn't great, and things are broken, and I'm not put together, and this hurts, and life is, etc. Uh, and here's the thing, man, that is real, <laughs> Now, I think that lament can exist and coexist with a deep understanding and desire to step into the reality of what he has done, right? The fact that he has come, that he has given us more than we could ever imagine, that we breathe only because he allows it, that this world is held together because he holds it together, and on and on the things that we'll see. And so I think these things can be held in tension, especially in broken and tough seasons, as we look upon and the fact that God came into this child and dwelt among man instead of just staying in his throne room. Right? This is magnificent news. The third one is that he shows mercy to all who revere him. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So it's, it's not just, right? It's not just, man, what has he done for you? It's what has he not done to you that maybe we deserve to have happen to us, okay? Uh, like, and maybe, listen, and I say this here often, maybe everyone else that came to Christmas Eve service this morning is just, you guys are all amazing and perfect and holy and awesome. I am filled and riddled with sin. Like, I, I make mistakes. I hurt people I don't mean to hurt. I do things, as, as the Apostle Paul said, I do things I don't want to do, and that which I want to do, I don't often do. And yet, God doesn't treat me as I deserve. God treats me in his glory and in his desire and his love for me. And the same goes for you. So some of you come to this morning, right? And, and you're just thinking like, no, man, like I, so like I often hear this. I go invite people to church. I invited people to this service. And uh, they're like, well, man, once I set foot in there, man, it'll be lightning, right? Like that, that type of thing. like, you don't want me in there. Like I'm going to get in there. Demons will follow. And then I'm like, well, you should stay away. That's creepy, you know? Um, 
But no, I'm like, but people are just like, no, I, I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. Like, I, I, why would God want this? And listen, if that's your story, no, the same reality applies. Like, he still came into this world knowing you better than you know yourself. So whatever it is you got, he still came and he still wants you, right? It's magnificent news this morning. Uh, number four. He humbles the strong and exalts the weak. 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. In other words, listen, he's a really good father who cares deeply about the character of his children. Right, that he, he doesn't just kind of want us to stay as we are. He wants us to look more like Jesus. He wants to kind of equip and come and sanctify and teach and put you in community that will draw you unto that. Because he's a really good father that looks to the heart, that looks to the, to the brokenness, the things that are off and desires. You know what? Let me, let me fix this. Like, like, a, like a technician working on a car. Like, man, it's still running, but I want it to run better. Right? So, so let me replace this hose. Let me, let me redo this valve. And I know nothing about cars, so I'm just making stuff up as I go. Right? Like, let me, let me take out this fan, you know, <laughs> whatever is in there. Let me replace it with something better. That's what God does. He is in the business of restoration, and it doesn't just stop to bring you to heaven. It's in the business of restoration in every aspect of you for the rest of your life unto heaven. This is really good news for us. The fifth one, he cares for the least, last, and lost, and convicts the abuser. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Why? Because he is the God of justice and peace. And so here's, here's what Mary's doing in this moment. So this is not an attack on the rich. So if you're here and you're crushing it, like you're just, you're super wealthy, first of all, welcome. Uh, and then, uh, just, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, We'll be taking up the Advent offering in just a moment. Um, no, and so, listen, no, no, this is not a critique on being rich, okay? That's not what this is. So what's going on here is, is Mary exists in a very opposite state from rich. Like, she is poor. She is uncared for. She is in, in the kind of the state of the system in which they existed in civilization. She was undesired. Her people were not of status, not of wealth. And so she was the downtrodden. She was the least, the last, the lost. Like that's who she was. She was literally poor. And so when she's saying rich, she's not saying, man, just the people, anybody who has money. She's looking upon kind of the Roman oppressor that has pushed her and her people down to occupation status. And she says, God, like Jesus, though, you've, You've come in and you've seen through all of that and you've not just lifted us up, but then you've convicted and brought justice to those who would oppress. So, so, man, that, that is, now think about any, I mean, most, most kings, most people when you're trying to get glory for yourselves as we know God desires, you don't go to the least, last, last and lost. Like you go to the influencers, you go to the rich you go to the people that are going to be able to spread your name best, right? That could buy out the billboards. That are going to be able to have the, the influence and, the, and the, the ability, right, to, to preach your name loudly. You don't go to Mary, a woman of, well, honestly, at this point, right, a single woman, an unmarried woman of poor estate. That's not how you go. That's how you go to but again, is Jesus, is God not trying to signify and tell the world something about him? And what he's about. He's a God of justice and peace. 
6, um, he helps those who don't deserve it and forever. Verse 54 and 55, as he wraps up kind of this song that she sings, like full musical, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now, um, we talked a lot about this more last week, talking about kind of Jesus as the son of David. We talked about Israel. But if, and if, if you've read your Old Testament or maybe just been in church a while or you maybe just familiar, right? Like Israel has a fairly checkered past with God. In other words, it is very rebellious. Like it is constantly this cycle of, of God coming in, caring for them, them taking it, enjoying it for a short period of time, then rejecting it so that they could worship other gods. God then bringing upon some calamity to restore them back to himself and over and over and over and over and over again. And yet, even in the constant rebellion of him, the constant intentional rejection of God, he still came. Okay, so I want you to, for a moment, let's think about Jesus, right? So uh, again, and we, and we, t- we shared this a couple weeks in a row, um, the Son existed prior to coming to this world, right? So, so he, he took on flesh, so he, he did not have bodily human form as we know it before, before the birth, before the advent. But he still pre-existed. We know this throughout all of Scripture, Colossians 1 especially, right? Like he's been there the whole time. And so Jesus, the Christ, the Son, right, existing, looks down upon the world, and he sees a people who reject him, a people who hurt each other, a people who constantly want to do things that will destroy themselves and the people around them. He, see, he sees a people that are far off. He sees a people that could not really help him get glory. Like, what benefit is it for the God, for God in, in, in son form, right, to come into this world except for love? Except because he sees you differently than you see yourself. Because he's the God of the universe that made us. Man, like, can we, so when, when we, we talk about this baby that's born and, and we, we you know, do, you know, presents and Santa's coming and all this stuff, and great, right? But like, all of this reality, this baby came into the world to come after and save his enemy. To come after those who hated him and rejected him for years in their own lives and then even verbally in an action. And yet he still came. And so, I, I mean, I don't know what brings you kind of to service this morning. Maybe it's, hey, it's Christmas and so that's what we do. But the reality is, and the reality of life, is that all of us kind of come carrying stuff. Like, we carry weight, we carry brokenness, we carry baggage. And in every single level, the advent of Jesus, the arrival of a little seven-pound boy, speaks to each one of your issues. Because in the midst of that, the one who made you still loves you and came for you to redeem you, restore you, not just now, but forever. Now, you might have noticed um, that the cross wasn't out here uh, initially, and we usually, we don't normally have it out. We made it for Easter, and, um, and then uh, it's just been kind of sitting in the back. And Andy had said to me when, when I got to service this morning, uh, as we were standing up, she's like, hey, should we put the cross out? And I was like, no, girl, it's Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, he's just a baby. Leave him alone, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went back there right before service, 
And I'm just standing back there and I'm just praying, God, you know, would you, would you show up and, and, and preach your word and convict us and spirit do some things and, and all that stuff. And I walk back there and, I, and I, I'm praying and then I just, I look and I see the cross and it's just sitting in the back. And then I just start crying, right? Uh, which I keep saying is not normal for me, but I keep doing it. So like, I think it's the new normal. Like, I think I'm just a crier now, but um, and I think I began to weep because as I'm talking to Jesus, right, who, who's alive, and we're getting ready to prep and teach a sermon about this baby, like the baby grew up, and he had to face that. And so in all of this season that we can get wrapped up in the reality of, of kind of the fun and the delight of Christmas, which I think we should, like I think there should be rejoicing, but we cannot forget that this baby came for a purpose, and that purpose landed him here, right? So, so why devotion? Why some of the, like, the outspoken yelling, like, give your life to Jesus, magnify him, rejoice? Why all of that? It's because he went to this. If he was just a baby who came, and that was exciting, and is God in the flesh, and he just lived this awesome life just to be amongst us, that's cool and all, but it's because of this and what happens three days later that we say, man, no, this requires our undying devotion to a tiny baby who came into the world 2,000 years ago. So, so, man, I saw it, and I just, I couldn't, I was like, man, we got to bring it out. And so I was like, I whispered to the interns right before, I was like, hey, you got to drag that out here right now. Because <laughs> I, I want us to remember as we celebrate and as we sing, and as we reflect, man, that, um, forget that don't, don't forget that this little tiny baby that at one point Mary and Joseph literally held in the palm of their hand, right? That this baby that they love so much, Right? that they've raised and poured their life into that was long awaited and expected, not just by them, but like all of Israel and the world indeed, I grew up and in 33 years later would, would die the death that you and I deserve to die. That is just a crazy story. But that's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's, it's not just the baby, it's that the baby was God. And he grew up and did what we could not do Man, he'll make it and has made it so that those who revere and love and know him and will celebrate Christmas for eternity with him. That he is not just arrived, but he is here and present forever. That is a celebratory thing. That is what I think leads Mary to rejoice and should lead us to rejoice as we get an opportunity to sing a bit more. Last little story and I'm done. Um... The other day, I was talking to, to Finley again, and, 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 you know, feel free to judge me. We've gone, like, half pagan, and we still talk about Santa and stuff. And so, um, and so uh, you know, we're like, Finley, who do you like more, Santa or, or Jesus, you know? And I'm just curious, and he says Santa. And I'm like, I'm a terrible parent, you know? Uh, and I said, well, well, you know, like, and we're talking. I'm like, okay, well, who do you like more? Uh, do you like Daddy or, or Santa? And he says, Santa. You know, I'm like, at this point, I'm starting to get angry. Uh, and I said, and this is always the, the kicker. I'm like, well, who do you love more, mummy? And we do say mummy because Verity's from South Africa. So uh, we, do you love mummy or Santa? And he says Santa, right? So I'm like, now you're just acting a fool, like something's off, you know? So we need to talk further. And so we begin to investigate. And we, we have this conversation, and we're, we're just talking about, about Santa and talking about Jesus, and eventually, he, you know, he just gets it because he's really excited. So in the moment, he knows Christmas is coming. So he's like, Santa, Santa, Santa. 
so we talk further, and so if we get to the end, and I ask him again after we're just talking about, and, I'm, and none of this was like persuasive speech to my kid of like, you need to choose the right answer next time. It was just him and I talking about Jesus and talking about Santa, and, and I asked him again, and I said, Finley, like, who's, who, do you, who, do you, who do you like more? Do you like Jesus or Santa? And he says, he says Jesus. And, and I said, why? And he said, because he's always here. And, and, and that, that language for me was so, like, so amazing and powerful because, like, look, Santa's coming one day a year, one 365th, right? And we all celebrate. We've got a season around it, so it's a month depending on how, you know, if you're the, I'm going to start buying, you know, listening to Christmas music in November like a crazy, uh, or, or what? And he's like, Jesus is always here. And I was like, all right, dude, like, you little theologian. Because he's always here. He came and he has not left because his spirit is present in this world. And one day he will come back here and reign forever as king. We celebrate all of that and rejoice in all of that this Christmas. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this season. We thank you for Christmas. God, we thank you for all the joy that is wrapped up in this season. God, we pray that continuously we would always more and more direct that joy, God, to you. God, knowing you are the one that brings about joy and, and happiness and goodness. God, but thank you that you use things and wonder in this world, God, to, uh, to point to your beauty. To tell us stories, God, of your and this graciousness. God, of your gift-giving in the form of your Son. And so Lord, we celebrate as a, as a family this morning, but we know we unite with, with just millions, millions of others this morning that we gather to sing and to celebrate and to rejoice in the Savior of the world who's come. We pray, Lord, that even as we go from this place later on, God, that we would then also magnify you in every place we are. And that that cycle would replace the cycle of old God, instead of just rejection of you, God, there'd be a constant magnifying of you through our lives, through a rejoicing of what you've done, that you have come and that you are here. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.